All right, well, we have been walking through the book of James and we've been talking about living faith. How do we have a trust in God that gets worked out in the way that we live? And today we're gonna to be talking about living faith in prayer. As we talk about prayer, uh, many of us, even those of us who've been walking for Jesus uh, for quite some time, uh, we wrestle with the question, well, what really is prayer? And I've heard from a lot of you, and so I know you struggle like me, that sometimes we turn prayer into a technical thing when really prayer is a relational thing. It's our connection, our joining together with God, the God of the universe who can do whatever God wants to do. And we often ask some really good, really important questions. And we ask things like, well, if God already knows everything, then why should I pray? Or we ask things like, well, if God has an ultimate plan that God, God is going to work out, then what good do my prayers do? Or we might ask, well, what do I do when I'm praying and it doesn't seem like God is answering? These are all really important questions. And what I hope is that by the end of today, we have some insight into exactly what prayer is, how we can address these questions and what God is inviting us into. And what we discover about prayer, just a starting point of what Scripture teaches us, is that prayer is commanded. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is an invitation that we have from God to join with Him. But we get mixed up when we turn prayer not into the invitation that God has given us. We turn it into something like a formula or a magic spell. And we think, well, putting the words in the right order, in the right tone is going to give it its power. It's going to make it happen. And then we struggle when God doesn't say yes to those prayers. And we think, well, I said it in the right way with the right people and I did the right things. God, why didn't you answer that prayer? And we need to come back and discover that prayer is not given its power by putting words in the right order. Prayer becomes powerful when we are desperate for and surrendered to the God that we pray to. And that's what James invites us into is this reality to understand that prayer is so much bigger than putting words in the right order. It's really, it's like breathing, it's living, it's our connection to the God who gives us life. I mean, you would never think about, you know, am I breathing the right way? We just breathe and we breathe constantly and consistently. And that's what God is inviting us to understand is that prayer is like the breath of God in us, that we live with him and through him, inviting him into everything, every aspect of all of our lives. So let's take a look at what James has to say about prayer in the last chapter. So James chapter five, we're gonna start in verse 13. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I want us to notice this. We're going to come back to it. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. In prayer, we've got an invitation from the living God who holds all things in his hands to come to him and say, Lord, I need you to do what only you can do. And James tells us that when we come to God in that manner, calling upon the name of the Lord, that there's power in that. He says there's power in the prayer of a righteous person. Now, what does it mean to be a righteous person? Sometimes we confuse that and we think that being a righteous person means we do all the right things, all the right times, and all the right ways, and all the right places. And as we look at Scripture, that's not at all the definition of a righteous person. The definition of a righteous person is one who puts all of their faith and trust in God. And when God says something, we take Him at His word, we believe it, and we act on it. And James tells us when we will come to God, taking him at his word, believing him and acting on that and saying, Lord, I need you to do what only you can do, that we find a power in that prayer. You see, we need to understand this truth, that the key to the power of prayer is faith. I mean, think about it. If we call out to the living God and we say, Lord, I need you to move. I need you to work. I need you to be here and present and moving. But we don't really trust or believe or have faith in that God that we're praying to, then what are we doing? Really, it just becomes superstition. I mean, think about it. It's like, well, I don't really think it's going to work. But hey, what difference does it make? It won't hurt anything. Let me just give it a shot. It's like we're, we're shaking a magic eight ball or something or, you know, or, or wearing, you know, green colored socks on Tuesday or, or whatever it might be. Like just some kind of superstitious act to think, well, maybe this will work. And James says there's no power in that prayer. That that kind of prayer is no prayer at all. It's really just words that we're throwing at the ceiling. And that we've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I will believe and trust and surrender to you. So how do we have that kind of faith? Well, we need to start here. We need to make sure that my faith is in God and not just the method. And this is a challenge for many of us. It's so easy, even those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, to, to fall into the trap of believing, well, if I say these right words in the right order with the right people in the right place at the right time, that God is going to be obligated to hear my prayer and answer. And there's certainly ways of praying that God gives to us, the Lord's Prayer, praying scripture that are, that are incredibly helpful for us. But at the end of the day, it's not in the method, it's in the God who can answer it. And we come to him surrendered and trusting and say, Lord, I put all of my faith in you. And knowing that God cares and God hears and God is able. So when we trust God in this way, the question becomes, well, when do we pray? When James answers that for us as well, and the first thing he tells us is that we need to pray in everything. He lays out all the different circumstances of life. And he says, whatever you're walking through, whatever it might be, this is when you should pray to know that there's nothing too big for God to handle and nothing for, too small for God to care about. That he's in it all and he cares about it all. That we can come to God Believing this truth that God knows, that God cares, 
that God is able to do anything and that everything that God does is good. You see, when we come to the Lord in prayer and every little aspect of our life, it's not about listing things to God. It's about letting God get involved in the things that he already knows about. It's not about ritual. It's about a relationship where we say, Lord, I, I can't do this without you. And I need you to get in the middle of it. And we pray about every little thing. And then so we get some specifics. Well, what do those every little things look like? Well, one of the things that James says is we pray in hard times. And guys, this is not an if, it's a when. Right? Like when hard times come, I've got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this. Like this is beyond my ability. It's, it's beyond my control. You know, I, I've heard it said so many times, God won't give you anything that you, beyond what you can handle. Guys, that is so not true. Like we just know by experience that God gives us stuff that we can't handle all the time. And in these moments, we've got to come to the Lord believing that he will move and he's going to do one of three things. One of the things that he might do in those hard times is he might bring change in me. He might do, not do anything about the circumstance, but he might give me the strength to, to walk through it or the wisdom to know what to do or the comfort to deal with the pain. And he might do that work in me. Second is that he might do something for me. He might do something to, to change the circumstance or to change the events. He might change the reality of what I'm walking through and give me a blessing rather than the difficulty that I'm experiencing. Or the third thing is he might do something around me. Maybe he brings people to walk with me and encourage me. Maybe he changes the, not the circumstances, but the resources that I have to be able to have in hand what I need to walk through it. And whatever the case, whether God works in me or for me or around me, the reality is that God is working. In the hard times, God hears, God is able, He loves us, He is moving for us. And we've got to trust Him to say, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I know that you are working. But it's not just the hard times. James says that we also pray in good times. That there are lots of moments where we come to the Lord and we praise Him and we give thanksgiving to Him and we say, God, you are an amazing, loving, good God that everything you do, regardless of my perspective or what I'm seeing in this moment, it is good because you can be nothing other than good. And God, I may not see it right now, but when I get to the other side, I know because when I look back that it's going to be good because when I look back, Lord, that everything you've ever done has been good. And you don't change. And so we come to God and we, we praise him. Because here's the, one of the lessons I've learned in life is that you will see what you focus on. And every single one of us, guys, some of us are sitting here today and you're thinking, I'm the only one. You're not the only one. You're, some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, nobody understands. We understand. Some of you are sitting here today and thinking like, I can't believe this happened to me. Well, you're not alone. Every single one of us have trauma. Every single one of us have heartache. Every single one of us ha have had our life fall apart in a variety of ways. 
and we can focus on that or we can see the goodness of God in the midst of it. It doesn't mean that we ignore it or act like it's not there. But all of us, we've all known that person who's walking through tragedy, who's walking through the diagnosis, who's walking through the heartache or the betrayal or the rejection, and they still have joy. And you're wondering, how do you get that? It's because it's where they put their focus. And every single one of us, we have a reason to praise and thank, thank God for life, if you're breathing, for purpose, for salvation, for the presence of God, that God would never walk away from you. We have a reason to praise him. But, but we, we walk through this conundrum in our relationship with God, especially when it comes to prayer, that most of the time, if we're honest, and, and that's really up to you whether or not you're gonna be honest with yourself. But if we're honest, we run to God in prayer in the hard times, in the difficult moments, because we are convinced we had nothing to do with how we got there and so we need God to move. But in the good times, what do we do? We take the credit. God, you didn't have anything to do with this. Like when my life fell apart, that clearly wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. So will you step in? But now that everything is wonderful, God, you see how awesome I am? You see how good a job I'm doing? And God would say, do you not understand the depth of my love for you? The blessings I want to pour out on you. And we put ourselves in a very dangerous place when we come to God with that posture that we will run to him in the hard times and we will take the credit in the good times is that we will be separated from God But what I believe to be one of the most devastating sins of all scripture. Pastor Craig Rochelle said it this way in his book, Alter Ego. He said, any blessing we don't turn back to praise turns to pride. And what does pride do? It isolates and separates us from God. That any blessings and movement and power of God that he wants to bring in and through our lives, we put a wall up and a boundary up. And we say, I don't need you, God, until it all falls apart again. And then we come running back. And so we need to remember that we continue to pray in good times. Number four, James tells us that we need to pray for healing. He says, any of you, are any of you sick? Come to the elders and let them anoint you with oil and pray over you. We pray for physical healing. We pray for mental healing. We pray for spiritual healing. He tells us to confess our sins to one another that we might be healed. Pray to God for forgiveness. Confess to God for forgiveness. Confess to one another that we might be healed because it's in our confession with each other that we begin to take off the chains and, and the heaviness of the things that we took on and our brokenness and our sin. And the weight of those things, when they begin to come off, we begin to be open to God for the healing he wants to bring. And it can be physical, it can be mental, it can be spiritual. But here's, here's the reality that we really have to wrestle with in this. Is that God doesn't say yes every time. There's been many moments of life where you and I have prayed for healing for somebody or in our own lives and God said no. And even in that moment, the, the, re, the question is, do I still believe that God is good? Do I still believe he's in control? Do I still believe he has a good plan? Do I still believe he's for me and doing what only he can do? And in those moments, you have a choice as you pray for healing 
of are you going to trust God? And, and there's three ways that we have to trust God. We have to trust God in his timing. We have to trust God in his method. And we have to trust God in his choosing. And whatever God chooses, it is good. And the healing that I pray for may not be the healing that God needs to bring. It may be something totally different in a total different time, in a total different way. But we still pray and we pray expectantly because God commands it and he invites it and he's working in our hearts and minds and, and through prayer, God's gonna put truths in us to pray back to him, that we're gonna join with him to do what God wants to do in us and around us and through us. And many times it does look like the healing that we expect. And so we pray with expectation. Next, James tells us to pray alone. That there is an intimacy with God that can only happen one-on-one. -on -one. There's an intimacy and a connection and a relationship with God that does not happen in the crowd. I mean, how many times in the Gospels did Jesus get away by himself to talk to the Father? And say, Lord, like, it's not about, again, it's not about giving you the list. It's not about God getting informed. It's about God getting involved. And my heart being joined to yours. It's about me knowing who you are and knowing how you know me. And it's only this kind of intimacy that we build with the Lord that, that will really transform our hearts and our minds to begin to pray the things that God is calling us to pray. And the more we pray the things that God is calling us to pray, the more we're gonna see affirmation from God in our prayers. But we don't stop here, there's one more. We also pray with others. We pray with the elders, we pray with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray with the church. We confess to one another. We come in agreement in the body, calling out in desperation for God to move. Because really, you know, the reality is sometimes there's just, there's problems that only God can deal with. And we have to come to him and say, God, I give up. And sometimes we do that alone, but sometimes we do that collectively. And there's two ways we do this. We pray with others, joining together for the mission, for the purpose, putting again and again the mission above our preference. Lord, give us a heart and a mind that lines up with you. If our preference is not aligned, would you transform us and do it collectively? God's greatest work happens in community, not in isolation. And so we pray with each other. But we also, number two, we pray for each other. We pray for their healing, for their wisdom, for their forgiveness, for redemption, for reconciliation, for strength, for comfort. In the hardest seasons of my life, <clears throat> I felt the power of others praying for me, and so have you. And so let me ask you this question to close out. <clears throat> and I really don't mean this rhetorically. I really want you to wrestle with it. Do you believe in prayer? And I do not mean as a concept. 
I mean as a necessity. Is it like breathing? Not in a way where you're like, I gotta carve out this 15 minutes in, in the right place, the right time, in the right way, with the right words. <clears throat> what I mean is that when you have that time set apart, it's just an overflow of what has happened all day. Do you wake up and the first thoughts of your mind, are they lifted to the Lord? As you go to bed or as you fall asleep, are your thoughts lifted to the Lord and everything in between? Because here's what we need. We don't need more answers. We don't need no more strategies. What we need is less self-reliance and more God-reliance. Do you believe? So as we close out, we're gonna sing one more song. These prayer rails are open for you. If you wanna come and meet with the Lord, maybe you need to pray because you're in a hard time. Maybe you need to pray a praise because you're in a good time. Maybe you need to come pray for healing. Maybe you need to come pray for wisdom. But you can come and pray, meet with the living God. You can pray where you are. You can grab a hand and walk out of the hallway and say, come pray with me. We've got people who love to pray with you up front if you just wave us over. But do you believe? Do you believe that God knows? Do you believe that God cares? Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that everything he does is good? So let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you and we celebrate who you are. We know that we need your life in us like breathing. We know that we need your presence and your power, your mercy and your grace. Father, we have a tendency as we take life in our hands and, and don't wait upon you to make a mess of everything. And we're desperate for you to do what only you can do. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that your spirit would pray for them in ways that words cannot comprehend. When we don't know what to pray, would you intercede and pray for us? But I know there's some people here, God, they have specific things on their heart. It might be gratitude or thanksgiving or praise, or it might be a very specific need. And we put you on the line, God, with those specific needs, not to test you, but because we know that you have all wisdom and all power and all authority and all love and all goodness. And whatever you say about the matter, it is good, it is right, it is perfect. And we need you to move. So we come as your children right now in this moment, leaning into you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray, amen.